Hey peeps, this is Fernie, your resident psychic medium and spiritual teacher, and you're listening to Fernie Unfiltered, where we dive into topics that enlighten, inform, and entertain the soul. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. So I wanted to do something a little bit different today, Um, not drastically different, but different enough uh, that you might appreciate or enjoy. I want to tell you guys a story, um, something that happened to me probably, I want to say maybe this was about 10 years or 10 years ago or so. Um... No, it's, I think it's way earlier than that. This is probably like, mm, I want to say maybe like 18. No, <laughs> all I know, it's 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 way past 10 years, but it's a, it's like a huge time range. So it's not all within the same um, like year. Everything happened kind of uh, at different times throughout like a 10 year period or over a 10 year period. So when I was younger, uh, for those of you who um, know, I used to work at Starbucks. Uh, For those of you who don't know, I used to work at Starbucks. And um, I started off as a barista. Um, I walked into a Starbucks one day uh, when I was on a date uh, with this guy, and uh, I'd never walked into a Starbucks. I'd never been into a Starbucks. And I was just, I want to, maybe less than a year out of high school. It might have actually been during my last year of high school um, when I was a senior, but this was around that age. And I had this uh, date with a guy, and he took me over to Starbucks. So I'd never been in one before. So for me, it was a bit, it was an incredible incredible experience to walk into a Starbucks back in the late 90s, early 2000s, because that was when Starbucks, I think, was in its glory years. Um, the the culture of the company was pretty established, and there was a mindset and an identity behind just, you know, the coffee making part of it. Um, I set foot in there and I felt so comfortable and I felt so at home. And not only that, but I saw that the partners behind the counter, the people who were working behind the counter, they call them partners, um, employees, partners, you know, but we call them uh, partners. And, um, there were some people behind the counter and they were laughing and talking and they were enjoying each other's company and just, you know, giggling and having a good time and they were working. And I thought to myself, well, I would love to work here. You know, this seems like a really cool place. Everybody seems really open-minded. I would love to work here. And I was from the the Southeast side of Houston. It was a much more, um, traditional Catholic Hispanic area for Houston. And that's where majority of my family was. So that's the area that I grew up in. And, you know, on that side of town, you don't, you don't really feel comfortable enough to be yourself. Uh, well, at that time you didn't feel comfortable enough to be yourself. So for myself to walk around or to even express any kind of femininity, I was probably asking for a beat down, um, or I was probably going to have some, some guys come up and, you know, start uh, yelling obscenities at me. Um, and for me, I never felt comfortable or I felt at home because of that mindset. So for me going to that Starbucks and seeing these people just being themselves, being natural. I was on a date with a guy. Nobody cared. Nobody was looking. Like I felt really comfortable and really at home. And I really appreciated that opportunity to have that kind of a 
breath of fresh air. Um, so it didn't take long before, you know, after, after that date, I decided the day was a disaster, by the way, <laughs> you're probably wondering like what happened on the date. It was a disaster. Um, I mean, we, oh gosh, the stories I could tell, <laughs> but, um, back to the story that I was wanting to share with you guys. Uh, we can save that for maybe another time, but, um, I, I, it didn't take long for me to come to the decision that, you know what, I'm going to apply. I'm going to try and see if I can get a job here. Um, I'd love to work here. I felt comfortable. I could take the bus over from my side of town. So sure, why not? And uh, so I went online and I found uh, the application for Starbucks on their website and I printed out a bunch of copies and I filled them all out um, the same way. And then I took them over um, to a bunch of stores in downtown. And now at that time, I, you know, the, the Starbucks that I'd gone to was in River Oaks and River Oaks was real, like, um, real high end and much more d- different demographic of people, much more, oh, there's old money in River Oaks for Houston and a lot of wealthy people live in that neighborhood. Um, and at the time that I went on this date, it was night, it was dark. I didn't really see, um, see this place as well as I did in the light, but, um, it was still really out of my comfort zone. Cause I grew up in the hood. I grew up, I was living in a one bedroom apartment with my mom at the time. I was still, you know, I, I, like I said, I don't know if I was still in high school or I was right out, out of high school, but, um, it was a big, big, big change from what my side of town looked like. And it was, intimidating but at the same time it was very nice and enjoyable and i and i loved the experience going to that starbucks but when i decided to to um apply to starbucks i was thinking more logistically like what's gonna be best for me because i when you look online it showed all the starbucks in the area and the majority there was like a a bunch in downtown. Um, and I thought, oh, you know what, I'll just, I'll just find a store in downtown and I'll, I'll go ahead and start working there. And it'll be easier because it's just one bus. It would take me just getting on one bus and getting there and I could walk over to wherever the store was going to be at. So I tried finding um, a store um, in downtown. And the first one I went into, um, I really liked it as well. I was like, wow, this is a really nice store. And, um, but, uh, and I left my application and everything and I hung out there for a little bit and I thought this would be, I would love to, to work in this one. This one's really nice. I liked the, the views. Um, and this was a, this was a, uh, a store right next to the, at the time there was a Macy's in downtown. So it's right across the street from Macy's, but it was, it was nice. It was right next to the, to the, uh, Metro rail and all of that. So I was totally down with working at that store. Um, but uh, I, I applied to like a bunch of them. I think I went to like eight or nine different stores in downtown and I left my application and then, uh, you know, went home, you know, nothing to it. You know, that was it. A few weeks later, it wasn't um, a, a tremendously long time. It only took like maybe two weeks, three at the most. But a few weeks later, I got a call from this woman who worked at Starbucks and she was the assistant manager for the River Oaks location. 
And she wanted me to come in for an interview. And I said, sure, I would love to come in. I would love to come in and and work there and just interview with you. That would be great. I was super, super shy, um, really intimidated again, really out of my comfort zone, scared um, and nervous just having a conversation with another human being that wasn't a family member because I was very sheltered growing up. So I didn't get a lot of opportunity to really interact and engage with a lot of people outside of my family group or from friends that I knew at school. Um, So I went to my first interview and lo and behold, it's the River Oaks Starbucks, the one that I had gotten on my day with. And I was like, oh, okay, this is, you know, this is weird that I'm at this store when I didn't apply to the store, but I wanted to work at this store. Um, and uh, she, you know, we, we had a good time. I think our, our interview was less of an interview, more of just a conversation. I remember talking about Alanis Morissette. I remember talking about what I wanted to do when I grew up, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so that was a fun interview. The the most fun I've had in an interview ever in my life. Um and after the uh, interview, I went home, you know, chilled, whatever. Two days later, I got a call from them again. They wanted me to come back for a second interview. Um, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm totally down. I'm totally down. And and I didn't get any calls from any of the other stores in downtown. None of those stores that I applied to directly. It turns out that the uh, assistant manager at the River Oaks location, she went and picked up the applications from a bunch of the other stores in downtown because they were they didn't need any workers, they didn't need any help, but they had plenty of applications while the River Oaks location wasn't getting as many applications and they needed the help. I was um, so excited to go back for the second interview because I'm like, well, that's a good sign. I mean, they want me to come back and meet them and talk and, you know, whatever. Sure. So I went and we sat down again and started talking. And then she tells me, she says, uh, hey, um, so this isn't really a second interview. We'd like to offer you the position. And, um, you know, this is just you coming in to sign the paperwork. And I was like, oh, my God, that's awesome. Yes, I'm so excited and I'm so happy. Um, So I went and, you know, I introduced myself to the other team members. And uh, I was it. That was it. I was uh, part of the Starbucks team. So at that location, we were not that far away from a news station um, that were, that was right off of uh, Buffalo Bayou, and we were always having these people coming over from the station who worked there. Specifically, there would be um, at times reporters who would come in and pick up some coffee, and I remember one particular time where there was a reporter i'm not going to say her name because i want to respect her privacy um but she was gorgeous absolutely gorgeous and just um would she would come in sometimes and get some coffee on this particular occasion when she walked into the store and she ordered her coffee i recognized her from the news but i didn't remember her name on the newscast um, I did remember a name, but I, it wasn't her name. So I was like, no, I don't think that's her name. I know it's something else, but, uh, you know, but so then I walked up to her and I asked her, I said, hey, aren't you so-and-so? Um, and it turned out that the name I gave her was the name of the rival uh, news station. And um, not only that, but it was a completely different race and a completely different, like, 
just vibe all together. But um, she had this weird look on her face, almost like a little perturbed, a little um, irritated, but also um, trying to maintain composure, trying to be more, um, what's the word? She was trying to be more diplomatic about the way she was going to handle her reaction. Now, this is someone who works for, for a news station. So granted, you can't just be going around when you're off work and looking like a damn fool because you reflect your job, you reflect the business. And and so you don't want to go around making a bad name for yourself because it's going to come back and bite you in the butt, especially if you're a public figure like that. So she was very graceful in the way that she handled her reaction. And she said, no, that's not my name. Um, she didn't give me her name. She just said, no, that's not me. <laughs> and and uh, that was it. But very sweet, very, very polite, but also very fake. It was obvious that she was going to react very differently and you could feel the irritation. It's almost like I'm totally looking like a pissed off person. I look angry. My, my, my face looks um, obviously just like upset about the comment, but at the same time, um, it, you know, she didn't want to get in trouble. So she said, no, that's not me. And that's it. You know, she maintained herself, which is, the, I'm sure that's, that's not the easiest thing to have to do, especially when you have to deal with a lot of public people, um, with the public often, because you are a reporter. And I, I was like, okay, cool. So I went back over to the drive-thru because at the time I was known as like the drive-thru queen of the River Oak Starbucks for many years. And I went back over to the uh, the the window, the drive-thru window, and I you know was taking orders and such and such. And she got her coffee. And I thought she had left. I thought she went ahead and walked out. And then um, I my boss came in and she was walking by. And I said, hey, I said, hey, did you see so-and-so? I said, she's like, yeah. I said, oh, she's so, so pretty, but that makeup is ex- like super caked on. Like, it's like you can't even see her face. Um, and I, I said that to my boss. Um, and then you have to, and guys, like, you, you, you got to forgive me here a little bit. I was young, I was stupid, I was immature. Um, and I didn't always consider other people's feelings and sometimes I would just say what I was going to say without any consideration for how that other person was going to be affected I just said it um and and so after saying that my boss tells me she's like well you know she's on the other side of the wall here and she can hear everything you're saying and I was like (gasps) and I was like mortified I was absolutely mortified because I would have I never intended for her to hear my comment and I felt very embarrassed and I also felt a bit ashamed because I had made myself look like a fool and she left she was walking out the, the the side door of the restaurant because there's two there was two entrances or two two exits um, to the store to the Starbucks, but uh, she was walking back over to her car, and I thought, well, f- you know, fuck it, you know, I've already made an ass out of myself. I might as well, you know, like m- make it funny or or make it a joke or something. Um, and as she was walking to her car, I proceeded to open the drive-through window and I yelled out, goodbye, goodbye, so-and-so. And I repeated 
the reporter's name that was incorrect. I repeated it and intentionally repeated it. And it's one of those things where like sometimes, you know, when you want to mess with somebody or you want to play with somebody, you you take a dig at them. Nowadays, it's way more common for people to be that way. But back then, that was my way of like getting along with people or just like having fun with people, I would just dig at them in a very subtle or light way and see if they would dig back with me. And that way, if they, they, if they did, then, you know, I knew they were cool and we could totally like, you know, have a conversation or have fun or, you know, be friends or whatever. But I don't know why, what compelled me to decide to do it then and there with this reporter. But I said, you know, Hey, uh, yelled it out the window, hey, goodbye, so-and-so, and I repeated it. And the moment she heard that other name, she like froze in her tracks, and you could tell that she was extremely insulted, and she knew she was being insulted, and also that she was just pissed off, and she was just cursing me up a storm in her head. I knew she was. She didn't say anything on the outside. She just So she stopped and heard me, and then you know took a moment or two, and then kind of shook it off. And then she went, continued to walk to her car. Now, like I said, I was young, I was stupid, I was immature, and I was just trying to have a little fun at someone else's expense. Um, Today, I would not even think of doing anything like that because it's unacceptable. I mean, come on, every human being has feelings, every human being has has emotions, they're sensitive, we're all sensitive to something. Um, And for me to just intentionally go out and try to disrespect someone like that, that's just not cool. Um, I Today, I understand and I know that that's just not the way to be, but back then, I didn't know any better. I hadn't had enough experience dealing with people, talking to people, knowing people, getting along with people. So it took a while for me to to gain those skills. I just didn't have them at the time that this happened. So that occurred. And after that, I just every time I thought back to that moment, every time I thought back to that and what I had done, I felt really guilty. I felt awful um, because not only did I intentionally dig at her when I knew it was going to be sensitive for her, but I also was just trying to get attention and I was doing it at somebody else's expense. And that again, so I I didn't feel very happy. I was not very happy with myself. Fast forward um, a few years. And I want to say this is like, um, I want to say this is like maybe six years later four to six years later around there, because I think, I, I don't remember when, how long I was at that. I was at the store for like three years. And then I went up to another store in Denver. Then I was in another one in Houston. Um, and then I got promoted and then I got, so I think this was like maybe six years later. And, uh, I was the store manager of the Starbucks in downtown. The one that I, really liked when I walked into, um, when I went to go apply at all the stores in downtown. So the first one that I went to that I really liked that I co- connected with, I was like, you know, so I became the store manager for that, st- that store. I was shuffled around a little bit to different stores as I was doing my training, um, and shadowing other managers. And then once I got promoted to my own store, that's the store I got, um, which was in itself very synchronous. So about a year into that, I was, um, I, the store was in good shape. I was in a, I was in a place in my life where I was trying to, trying to make 
the best out of my situation because I didn't know how long I was going to be at that store. I didn't even know if I was going to be staying at that store because the store at that time, that's when Starbucks put a bunch of stores on the closing list and they were going to close down their, their lowest performing stores. And my store was on the closing list, but I, with the, I mean, with universal help and just being there at the right place in the right time and doing what I did, I was able to kind of reinvigorate the base and I was able to bring more uh, customers in and we started to have really good relationships with a lot of the customers in downtown and they would always bring their friends. So we grew our base back up and we were able to keep the store open because we had good relationships with our with our customers. So one day I'm at work and I I I think that day was just a really long day and, and I was kind of ready for a change or ready for something new. Um, but I wasn't sure what. And I was trying to find peace in my life at that time. I was trying to find peace in my daily daily existence. And I had watched the Oprah show. And on the Oprah show, there was uh, the episode was with uh, Elizabeth Gilbert, and she's the author of Eat, Pray, and Love. So I had considered buying the book, but I hadn't gotten it. And at this stage, like this was still a time where I, you know, I was making good money, but it's not like I was loving it up by any means. I mean, granted, I was a store manager of a store, but the pay was still pretty low and I was just making enough to, to, to pay my mortgage and to sustain like the, the, the status quo and the bills and stuff. But I was ready for a change. I wanted something different. So this day I went home, saw the Oprah show, saw that the book was the feature and they were talking about the spiritual messages behind the book and all the stuff that, you know, people were gaining by just reading the book and how it really did, um, how it really did help people to understand themselves better and just feel more connected to the universe, feel more connected to, to things. And I thought, okay. And the, the story in the book is about this woman who travels around trying to find herself. It's what it is. So I could relate to that at the time in my life. And, uh, so I went home, saw the Oprah show, and then I thought to myself, maybe I need to get this book. And then I uh, decided to meditate that evening. And uh, in meditation, I was asking God, I was talking to God and I said, hey, you know, I'm wondering if I should get this book. Do you think this book will help me? Do you think it'll help me to feel more connected or to have more clarity or to feel or to understand what's the next step for me? What do I need to focus on? And I said, God, if I'm supposed to have this book, you know, show me a sign. If I'm supposed to go this this direction, and I don't know why the book was such a big deal for me at the time, but it was like, you know, when you're not making a lot of money going and buying, you know, spending money on like a $15 book or whatnot, that's not something you really want to go and put money, you know, spend money on, especially when you're just getting by paycheck to paycheck. So it's not like it was an, a big extra expense for me uh, that I could afford. Um, so I just meditated, prayed on it. And then that's it. Next day went to work and, uh, I'm doing my normal routine and, uh, I was in my office and one of my employees, one of my partners, um, she was out in the lobby and, uh, then I came out for a little bit, helped her catch up to some of the orders. And, uh, the reporter from years and years ago walks in and she looks very different this time. She looked 
so much more lively. She she wasn't wearing um, as much makeup um, as when I had seen her that first time when she worked for the uh, for the news, um, which makes sense to me now. I mean, and now I know you have to wear a lot of crap. You have to wear a lot of crap on your face when you're going to be on camera, when you're going to be on stage or doing anything. So you're going you're going to be caked up with makeup. So that makes for me now. I know that you have to have that. Um, but at the time, it's you know just the idea of her looking with all that artificial stuff in her face and then with her just feeling differently than what she was saying i felt like she was being inauthentic or disingenuine and that's why i think i I felt like righteous in my my uh, my messing with her or 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 kidding around with her so this was fast forward and i see her and she looks great she looks amazing she looked great and amazing then she was gorgeous but she just it was like she had a light around her and she was glowing and she just seemed really happy and i saw her and i was like oh wow and she was so friendly but it was like genuine it felt authentic it was very different from my first experience with her it was very different and she just felt more real and in her element um and i waited on her and i took her order and and so and so and that's it so i afterwards i was like and while i was there in that moment now let me back it up for a second i for years had thought back about that incident that happened at the Starbucks. I for years thought back to that and I felt so guilty. And I always said, I wish I could apologize to her. I wish I could, you know, next time I see her, apologize to her and say, hey, I am so sorry. You may not remember me, but like six years ago, you came into the Starbucks. And I was going to go into the whole story and I was going to tell her, I'm so sorry for how I behaved with you i am a very different person now and i see the value um and and what i say and how i say it and i just wanted you to know that you know that experience helped to change me it made me look at myself in a different way and it made me it forced me to take accountability for my behavior and to treat people the way i would want to be treated so thank you not only for um helping me to learn that lesson, but I, I am so sorry if I ever caused you any pain or just even just frustration. So I w- had, I'd been wanting to apologize to her for a very long time. And I said, if I ever see her again, I'm going to apologize. And I'd wanted to, and every time I thought back to it, I said, I wish I could see her again. So I could apologize. I wish I could see her again. So I could apologize. Um, so I'm, I'm there tendering her order and she, you know, I'm thinking in my, in my head, I'm like, Fernando, like apologize. Like you need to apologize. Like now is your chance. Rise to the occasion. Now is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your opportunity. And not only that, but I think in the book, Eat, Pray, and Love, it's about uh, part of the part of the uh, storyline is the woman is she's trying to make peace with herself and her life, and she's trying to right some of the wrongs that she may have like struggled through or suffered from in the past. So I could totally relate again relate to that some of that um, if I remember correctly the book. It's been a long time since I read it, but. I was like, I need to, t- I need to tell her, I need to tell her. And I felt the energy surge. And then I heard it in my head. It's the same, you know, voice that I hear every now and then when my guides are talking to me and they're like, Fernando, like now is your chance. You need to apologize. This is what you were asking for. Well, I didn't apologize and I let the moment pass and I decided that, um, I just, I just, I, I be, I was a coward and I didn't apologize. That's what happened. I was, I was being cowardly and I didn't do it. I didn't rise to the occasion. I go to my office, I'm sitting there and Jennifer, my 
barista at the time, she comes to the back and she says, Hey, she's like, did you leave your book? Um, and I was like, what? And she's like, yeah, did you leave your book out there? I said, no. And she says, oh, and I said, what book? And she says, well, um, everybody, I asked everybody else in the lobby and that no one seems to own it. And it's just sitting there. And I thought maybe you had left it there when you were, you know, sitting there when you were having your break. And I said, no, that's not my book. I said, what book is it? And she says, oh, it's Eat, Pray and Love by Elizabeth Gilbert. And I was like, (gasps) and I was like, seriously? She's like, yeah. And I was like, oh my God, let me have it. Let me have it. Give it to me. Give it to me. She's like, okay, here you go. And I was like, okay, here. I was like, look, I'm going to hold on to this. If someone doesn't come back to claim this within the next week or two, I'm just going to go ahead and keep it and read it. She's like, yeah, I don't care. Nobody cares. I'm like, okay. Once I, went to, once I was in the back office, I decided um, to go ahead and open up the book and see if there was any clues or anything inside of it um, to identify the, the owner, you know, because, you know, if they didn't come back, maybe there was something in the book that they left in there. So I noticed a bookmark just kind of sitting in there went ahead and, and opened it up and looked at the bookmark. And it's a special bookmark where it basically says, if you are the finder of this book, read it and pass it on. Um, and it was like this sharing library program where basically people were reading books, leaving their name on this tag, and then leaving it somewhere where somebody else can find it and read it and then pass it on to the next person. So there's almost like this idea that it was supposed to be passed on to different people over a period of time. And I thought, well, that's really cool. And my, even my friend, she was like, that, that is cool. Cause she was a big uh, book reader um, with like fiction material. So I noticed at the bottom, the name, it had the reporter's name. It had her, her first name and then the first initial of her last name. And I, I, I saw that and I was like, oh my God, oh my God. And it was like, it, like, I, like a ton of bricks. I mean, like it hit me like a ton of bricks. And in that moment, not only did I realize the significance of the opportunity to apologize and how I had just missed that opportunity, but how coincidental this person, this individual that I had been wanting to see again so that I could apologize, they basically left a book, the book that I, the night before, was asking God about, should I read this book? Should I go and buy it and order it? Um it just, it was just mind blowing. So immediately I felt so compelled because I was like, oh no, now I have to, like the universe has brought me a gift. It's given me this book to read. And now I must acknowledge what the significance of this connection was. And I have to rise to the occasion. So I began looking her up. She was no longer a reporter. She had left um, the news uh, station a few years prior and she wasn't a reporter anymore, but she did work for an energy company in downtown. And she was like their marketing director or their promotional, like someone. So, or she's PR. She was our PR person for the energy company. But, um, I, I just was like, okay, so I found her on there and then I was like, okay, so I, tr- I, I tried looking around, looking around, looking around and I found an old university email for her. So it was part of her, I guess when she was uh, a member or she was on the alumni, she had a email address through the that um, university. So I found that email and I went ahead and shot her an email 
And I said, you know, you don't know who I am. You may not remember me, but several years ago, you came into my Starbucks. This is the Starbucks. And I was working at the drive-thru and I was so rude to you. or I was so disrespectful to you. And I was so immature and I could not believe what came out of my mouth. And I just want to say I am so sorry for any pain that I caused. I'm so sorry for being such an asshole. And thank you so much for being the reason that I changed that part of myself, that I I decided to become a different person. It's because of you, because of that moment. It stuck with me for years and I just regretted it so much. And I just wanted to say, I am so sorry. And thank you so much for inspiring me to change. Um, I hope you are doing well. You look so, so happy in your life right now. You were glowing when you were in the store. When I saw you at the River Oak store, you didn't look so happy. You didn't look um, like you were in a good place in your life. Um, I didn't know what was going on, but I just felt that when when I saw you then. And I think that was another reason why I felt the need to want to pick on you a little. But you know, today when you came into the store, you looked absolutely amazing and glowy and happy and you just feel lighter. And I don't know if this means anything, but I want you to know that you are exactly where you are supposed to be in your life right now. And you're going through exactly what you're meant to go through. And thank you for doing so because you are lining up with the universe. You're lining up with what is meant for you and you are fulfilling your purpose. Perfect stranger, right? Like she doesn't even know who I am. And here I am reaching out to her and I'm going on and on and on about how she changed me and she's, you know, amazing now. And she was, you know, so it's just weird. But um, not even a half an hour later, I get a response. Like I got a response within 10 or 15 minutes. And she was actually heading back to the office. And she said, you know, I opened up your email. And as I began to read it, I had to stop dead in my tracks on the street and move out of the way to avoid people running into me because I was just so completely caught off guard by reading this email. And she said, I, this, and now this was her talking. So she said, I have been really struggling through a, a, a big period and change in my life. And when you first saw me, um, she says, you're right. I don't remember. I don't remember that experience. I was neither here nor there in that time in my life. And I was not a very happy person. And I wasn't I wasn't willing to take a risk and make a change. Um, and I finally did um, in the last couple of years. And everything seems to be lining up and being exactly what I've been wanting it and needing it to be for so long. But I wasn't happy then. And I was always wanting signs and signals that I... Um, that I needed to go in a different direction, but the direction never came. And I made the change in my life. And I recently picked up a copy of um, Eat, Pray, and Love and joined it with this with this sharing book club. And I was so inspired by the book because it's about alignment and aligning with your purpose and what you're meant to do and meant to be in your life. And sometimes just being present and being in a place that gives you joy is enough purpose. It's enough. And I read and, and I read it and it was so inspired and I wanted to share this with someone else who I felt needed it. And um, I just, I can't believe that you're the one that found it because 
just everything that you said to me about how I I exempl- I I, sh- I was showing everything that I've been feeling and that I've been thinking, and I've been wanting the universe to give me a sign that I'm on the right path and that this is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. And so you just reaching out randomly today, and I I I asked this morning that the universe give me a sign, and you were emailing me out of the blue, telling me that I'm where exactly where I'm supposed to be. And I am so touched and I'm so moved and don't worry about what happened in the past. That's all forgiven. That's all, you know, that's all um, buried and, and, and gone. It doesn't mean anything to me. And you are where you're supposed to be and you are experiencing what you're supposed to be experiencing. And, you know, and I had also told her that I had prayed the night before about receiving the book and for her to just show up and leave it there when I prayed for it last night. So just both of us were kind of in a state of awe and shock because we were fulfilling each other's needs. We were lined up with each other. We were lined up with that moment, with that experience. And it was very transformative for me. I did go and read the book. It was very life-changing. I love the book. It's a great book. Um, Really helped me to kind of wrap my mind around the idea of lining up with universal energy and the flow and all of that. Um, it, it really did. So I was very appreciative of the book. But just that moment where I got a chance to rise up to the occasion. And even though I missed the first chance, I said, screw it, I'm going to find a second chance. And I did. And I'm glad I did because it was perfect. Had I apologized to her when I was being cowardly and I was tendering her at the register, that um, I don't think that the whole book thing would have even been uh, connected to that or attached to that. So for all of that to just come about the way that it did, um, that's, I think, what really blew me away. And it reminded me, it let me know that I am a child of God. I am an aspect of the divine. I am God in human form. You know, what, 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 what energy flows through source is what flows through us. We're all the same thing. We are all the same connected being. And we all here are in this together. And we forget that sometimes we get caught up with like politics and clan, uh, clan culture, um, or, or, or just tribalism, tribal uh, mindset. And we get so caught up in, you know, how we're different and how I'm just going to stick with what I'm familiar with or with what I'm comfortable with, or no, there are our race or our kind, or that, you know, they're all gay. So I, I am going to, you know, vote for them. Like we are so caught up in those differences and we're in such a divisive time now that we don't realize that we are still all the same being expressing itself through just, countless smaller beings that that is us um, and that's what we are and to be so connected and to have that awe and that humility and to feel that sense of oneness i mean it is it is truly uh, something I, I appreciate a lot of and that was an incredible experience. Fast forward a year later, I had <laughs> I had an ex-boyfriend come into the same store and ordered coffee. And I remember this person as well because back then, it was around the same time, I was an asshole. And I didn't appreciate people for their kindness always. Sometimes I just 
you know, whatever, whatever worked for me. And this boyfriend did a lot of amazing and and sweet things for me during my senior year of high school. And, um, I didn't really appreciate it. And, and like he had a car, I didn't have a car. So he was my ride to everything that I was doing in my senior year. So I kind of, you know, stuck with him because he was my, my ride, but he was really, really, he felt something very deeply for me and I was awful to him. So I, that was another one of my to do, like, you know, we have bucket list things we want to experience before we, um, pass away. Well, I have a, like a, um, like an apology tour where there are people or there are things that I didn't feel good about or that I wasn't at peace with. And I wanted to make peace with it. And I wanted to release those things and to honor them for what they were, not for what I was getting from them. So um, at that time in my life, I was trying to make peace with a lot of my past, uh, with the the things that uh, had caused me so much harm and that had hurt and traumatized me. But I was also seeing myself and looking at myself in a much more... um, deeper and more direct way. And I had a lot of cleaning up to do myself. I had a lot of people I needed to apologize to who I wasn't the kindest to or who I wasn't, um, the, 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 I didn't, um, align with the best version of myself. I was more given into situations and, and, and moments where I became too human. I became too low level energy vibration, etc. So I, he was another person on my list of people that I wanted to apologize to. And when he walked into the store and I saw him and I was like, Oh my God. And I, and then I asked him his name. I was like, I think this is my ex. I think this is him. Cause I, it'd been so long, you know? And, um, he's like, yeah, my name is Tommy. And I was like, <gasps> and I was like, Oh my God, that's my ex. And immediately I said, do you remember me? And I told him, I said, you know, we dated for a little while and I told him who I was and he was like, Oh my God, hi. And he like recognized me immediately. And, um, I said, you know what? I just want you to know that I am so sorry for being an asshole to you and for not appreciating you and for not appreciating your kindness and your open heart and how you were there for me. And I really didn't I really didn't care so much about your feelings. And so I'm sorry. And I think you deserve the best that life can grant you. And I think you're a catch. And I think that you are going to make someone very, very happy one day. And I think he really appreciated that because it just came from such a genuine place for me, such an authentic place. And I, um, so yeah, I apologize. And he said, no, it's, it's fine. He says, I appreciate that. Thank you so much for that. I was like, yeah, absolutely. Um, so that was it. You know, I, I, I had another one and that was like a year after the reporter incident. And it really taught me that if you want to make amends, if you want to put something right, if you've done something that you are not happy about and you want to make it right, then you will have an opportunity um, at some point. If it's something that really, really, really affects you and, and takes away your sense of feeling um, authentic and connecting with everyone else and feeling a connection with others here as well. So um, you will get that opportunity, but you need to ask for the opportunity. You need to let the universe know that you're willing to rise up to the occasion. You're willing to rise up to that moment, but to grant you the opportunity and then move on. You know, don't just ask for the opportunity ask for the opportunity and then go on and you will get the opportunity. And when you get the opportunity, rise up to the occasion because it is that moment that may have the biggest impact, not only for yourself, but for the person you're releasing or for the person that you are writing. Um, 
it, it can have a huge impact on them. And I think, you know, the reporter's story and how what I was doing by trying to make amends and by trying to make peace with all of that and just to apologize, I was actually going, I was in, I was aligning with universe and giving her not just an apology. I was empowering her. I was doing the opposite. So it's so, it's so interesting to have that one 180 degree turn where the first time I encountered her, I was cruel and unkind and I was disempowering of her. And the second time I met her, I was gentle and I was authentic and I was, um, I was vulnerable and I empowered her. So it's incredible that that came from that experience. But now, you know, I, I, I'm still not perfect. I mean, there are times where um, I should have maybe said that a little differently or maybe I didn't word myself correctly. But I'm really conscientious about the way I speak to people now because I don't want to hurt anybody. I don't want to cause anyone any pain. Um, I want them to be aware of the fact that I care and I'm here and so and so. So I'm really careful about the way I speak to people now. And that's taken a long time and many years of practice to get it to get myself to that point. And I'm grateful because it does allow me to share more love and be focused less on those little nuances that can happen in a conversation where someone doesn't understand you or they take what you say incorrectly or you, you're you just a, a dick. And so I intentionally am careful with what I say to people. But every now and then, I still am firm or I'm still very direct. I don't, I don't always sugarcoat what I need to, uh, what people may like as fluff. I don't do that. I always want to be honest with people, even if it's, it comes across a little more direct and stern, but I still want to be honest with people. And, um, there are times where when I'm being honest and I'm being direct, the person may not receive it well, or they're not prepared to, to accept that truth as their own truth. And so they may not react the way that I need them to, or the way that I, I would, would expect them to because they, they took what I said and did something else with it. Um, but even if they took it and did something else with it, even if they're at fault, I find myself now just apologizing, not because I'm accepting responsibility for how they feel. That's on them. However, someone chooses to feel from whatever interaction, from whatever situation is, is, is happening, that's on them. What I'm responsible for is, did I put something out there? Did I say something that was misused or that was not um, interpreted correctly because maybe I need, needed to change the way that I expressed myself and, and maybe I needed to be a little bit more selective with some of the words. So I take responsibility for that because that's on me. I can, you know, language and speaking with words and all, it's a very, very flimsy way to communicate but because we're in physical form and we're not all telepathically alert and up to speed, we don't communicate through telep telepathic communication consistently or actively. We communicate through verbiage, through verbal com communication. And so if I said something that didn't come out the right way, then I, you know what? I got to own that because that's not the way I intended it for, for it to be. And I should have known that maybe you might have received it in a different way. Um, and so I still apologize. I say, you know, I'm so sorry. That is not what I said or what I intended to say. You may have misunderstood me, but even if it was a misunderstanding, I want you to be very clear with what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. And then I, I still, you know, I, but I apologize. I own it because that's on me. Um, but 
They're responsible for how they're going to react, what they're going to do afterwards, how they're going to take that and use it. If they're going to use it to destroy, use it to be constructive about. It really depends on them. Um, but I'm grateful for that opportunity. And it gave me a chance to vindicate not only my higher self, because I'm just trying to reach the level that aligns with my highest and best good. Um, and in order for me to see and to be my highest and best good, I have to own what I am now, what I have been in the past and, and examine that and take a look at that and then really, really, really figure out who do I want to be? Who do I choose to be in this world versus what has the world turned me into? What has the world, um, what has the world, what have I allowed myself to be because of the conditioning of the experience of the, and the trauma that I've gone through in my life? And in our lives, we're going to go through a lot of experiences, just like with the reporter and even myself at the time. I wasn't a very, I wasn't in the most happiest place in my life either when that was going on. I was trying to, um, I was trying to make, I was honestly, I was trying to make everybody happy. And my way of kind of getting on people's good sides was to joke with them and to kind of mess with them and play with them a little bit because most people, they like to play around a little bit like that. Most people, not all. Um, but you know, that was my way of, of making people happy was trying to have fun and, you know, put a smile on their face. But now it's, you know, I live my life for me and I don't need to be anything particular. I don't need to be anything specific. When I go to a party, um, sometimes I go like where I just went to a holiday party um, this past year and met a bunch of new people and it's very um, uncomfortable. I, I don't. Um, enjoy just being thrown into a crowd of new people i don't that's 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 all really hard for me but i'm i still know that there's a beneficial experience that will come from it if i just communicate and connect with people so i just try to listen to people and talk to people and just start up a conversation um but it's still very it's not comfortable for me to go into an environment like that because i really don't know how to mingle sometimes i really don't know how to to do any of that stuff that's stuff that i do on the fly so if you ever see me talking and i look like i know what i'm doing most likely i do know what i do know what i'm doing but i don't i'm not comfortable doing it (laughs) if that makes any sense so it's like yeah i do know what i'm doing but i'm also not comfortable doing it because it really is a, a kind of a different thing for me to have to um, put myself in those scenarios in those situations where um, I'm meeting new people new energy I don't have control of the situation Um, some people may react one way some people may react a different way I may take something and feel rejected by the by the by the experience I mean it's a whole host of things that I could be feeling and going through when I'm going through that but if you want to vindicate yourselves if you want to rise to the level of your highest self you must look at that highest version of you and then begin to act in alignment with that do anything and everything that you believe that you feel that highest version of you would do. And as you begin to practice that, as you begin to do more of it, you are going to become that higher version of yourself. If you want to be someone who is a good athlete and professional basketball player, then you better buy some equipment and you better start practicing as often as possible. And you better go join a league or something where you can participate in regular um, activities of that nature, because that's going to start you off in that direction. And then, you know, if you want to do a pro, you start connecting or trying to network and meet people who might be somehow 
linked to the right person who may be able to open some opportunities or doors for you. So that's how you get to your to to the to the desire to the goal. You rise to the occasion based off of what you think is necessary to be in that position. It's not just about being in that position and that's it. You got to get there. You got to pay your dues. And um, I definitely have paid my dues with trying to rise to my highest self because now because I'm more authentic because I'm able to see myself really see myself. Um, I can be a better version of myself than I've ever been before. And I get to share with others everything that I've learned, everything that I've gained, everything that I can offer them that can help them with the issue that they're dealing with, with the struggle that they're going through, with the trauma that they're trying to heal from. I can help them with that. If I have similar experiences or if I have enough know-how and understanding to guide them through that process. So if you want the opportunity to rectify or to make amends or to just to right a wrong, ask for it. And when it comes up, step up to the plate and rise up to the occasion and, you know, drop the ego and focus on being authentic, vulnerable, and as as clear as you need to be. And then be grateful. Just thank them for the opportunity to give you that oppor- that chance to just apologize to them. Now, I'm not saying that everybody is going to everybody's going to um, accept an apology. I'm not saying that everybody is going to um, say, oh my gosh, you're so amazing. You're where you're supposed to be. That's not going to be everybody's experience. I mean, there are some people who, even if you go and apologize for something you did, they're going to bitch you out or going to tear you down because they're like, you know, now you want to apologize after all that you have done to me? No, I don't accept it. And they don't have to accept it. You don't, when you apologize to people, you're apologizing to free them from the trauma, from the scenario. You're freeing the energy up from whatever caused it. You're freeing them and you're also freeing yourself. How they choose to receive it, how they choose to deal with it is on them, but you still have to offer that. You still have to make peace with the reality of what is, not with, you know, with how you want to see it or how you can come out winning because your ego is in, in charge. You don't want to do that. You want to be as authentic and as open as possible. And if you approach things with an open heart and just come with a place of love, even if you don't get the acceptance of your apology, even if you don't get that, you will still be able to move forward and you'll be able to do something good with the releasing of that energy that you've been holding on to. So I really would implore you all to um, just reach out and say, I'm sorry. And you know what? There's no excuse. This is what the situation was. This is where I was. And I'm sorry. And that's it. And just be authentic. And I guarantee it, you will feel better. Your life will feel better. Your past will feel better by the releasing of that trauma, by the releasing of that lower vibration that has been with you for so long. So I hope I have inspired you all to um, to go out and try to connect with something or someone that you may need to apologize to. We always want to make ourselves the victims. We always want to say, well, you know, everybody else is responsible. I'm the victim. I'm the one suffering. I'm the one that shouldn't have to do anything towards anybody. And that's not true. We all have to be accountable to ourselves. Um, And if you are inspired to go out and do something, don't wait a day. Don't wait a week. Don't think about it. Just pick up the phone pick up an email, you know, pick up your, you know, your computer or your phone, write an email, write a letter, send it, just do it. Because if you wait, 
your your ego is going to get back in check and it's going to get back in charge and it's going to start to dictate how you should live and you don't want to base everything around the ego um, because the ego is more focused on itself and itself surviving thriving and winning than it is about the others around us about the rest of our community our human community our energy community If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, then like, share, and review my show on your favorite podcast listening platform. You can also follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and don't forget to check out my website at www.fernandamarone.com. Till next time, kiddos, and be sure to have yourselves a namaste.